All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we've got Paul Hawken, who is an environmentalist, entrepreneur, and best-selling author of eight books that have been published in 30 languages in more than 50 countries and have sold more than 2 million books. Paul is a renowned lecturer who has keynoted conference and led workshops on the impact of commerce upon the environment and has consulted with governments and corporations throughout the world. He is the founder of Project Drawdown, which worked with over 200 scholars, students, scientists, researchers, and activists to map, measure, and model the 100 most substantive solutions that can cumulatively reverse global warming. He is the founder of Regeneration.org, which I'm so excited to talk about, and complete his latest work, Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation, published by Penguin Random House, only days ago, essentially, eight days ago, I think, right? Nine day, yeah, nine days ago. Nine days ago. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, uh, depending on when this airs, we'll try to get this out really close, but welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks so much, Mark, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here, it's a pleasure to be with um your work as well. So, I mean, I see this as an intersection with what we're both doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Before we get into everything, um, all of the, the guests get the same question on this show, and it's just to get a little bit of grounding on on who the person is on the other side of the mic here and, and avoid job titles and, and whatnot. So we'll get into that stuff. But who is Paul? You know, how do, as you sit here today, you know, who are you? What defines you? Gosh, you know, that's a question I ask every day myself. And so it's the it's the question, really, you know, because everything we, not everything, but much of what we encounter in outside of ourselves in the world that humans have created is an attempt to either supplant, replace, dislodge, uh, uh, our identity, you know, and or to create an identity that is actually just not who we are at all. And the, the attractions and the seduction and the entreaties and the in, invitations to do that are constant, you know, this mm -hmm. overwhelming. And so the reason to have a practice, journaling practice, a meditation practice, it could be a yoga practice, there's many other practices, but those are... Um, popular ones is really to try to shed that and to recover um, um, by listening, you know, and hearing one's, um, to say it's an inner voice is not exactly what I want to say, but sure. to, in, in, in the Theravadan tradition of Buddhism is to listen to the one who knows. And mm. in Theravada, it's, it, that is in everyone. There's no question about it. Everyone is knows. We do know, you know, like in this deep primordial, you know, archetypal way that's transcendent of time and place, you know. And to find that is, you know, is our journey. It's our it's our journey as human beings, you know, as men and women and uh and everything else between uh, that those genders. And uh so for me it's about a, a journey of 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 curiosity. I think that's really which is, oh, yeah. To, I mean, you know, curiosity killed the cat, all that sort of thing. But actually, curiosity actually feeds the soul. I think, mm -hmm. and um, and for me, it started when I was very young, and I started because it wasn't safe uh, to be inside my home. And, um, and, and so I went outside whenever I could. And it was just a big suburban backyard at that time, adjoining a canal. And uh, I felt safe outside all the time. And But I also felt ignorant because if when you're a child, you can figure things out pretty quickly, you know, where the refrigerator is, what the light switch is. Yeah. You know? uh, we didn't have a TV then, but... Every child can figure out where the you know on and off switches are for everything else, and uh, outside is the opposite. It take lifetimes to figure out what's going on out there. <laughs> what are the names? And it doesn't have switches, uh, and it's not binary. And 
and it never it changes it never repeats itself you know and it's just completely the opposite of the constructed interior world that we have uh domiciled with uh, ourselves within and so that was the beginning of curiosity which is where am i what's going on who is this what is this what's that sound what's that leaf what is that is that a tree is that berry edible is it poisonous it's got a nice color whatever i mean what's underneath this rock oh my god they're crawling away this one has you know like 50 legs you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean and why and you know i mean the the child's imagination is just so rich you know and in it it is innately in wonder it is in wonder like yes I'm wondering, you know, was you know, and so for me, I think that was a really interesting start. You know, I don't bemoan my past or the fact that my interior household was chaos and a mess, because it actually thrust me out uh, into outside. outside into the world that, to this day, you know, basically um, entrances me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And Paul, how do you? How do you maintain that level of curiosity? Because to your point, I mean, and I have a five-year-old, so we're, we're at that age where we're getting nailed with a lot of questions, as you can imagine, right? And I think about them and I think, wow, if he, you know, as parents, if we can just keep that level of curiosity for his entire life, I mean, I'll feel good as a dad, <laughs> you know, if you raise a kind, kind human and someone that's curious. I mean, that's my main goal. But we lose that curiosity, most of us lose that curiosity as we go through school or, you know, the hands start going down and you're not, you're not, you're not as open to ask questions as, as, as much. And it just keeps going down and down and down until eventually what I've seen, uh, some sort of wall is hit or some sort of big life event. And then we start asking questions again, but it seems like you've kept that, your curiosity. I think the thing that happens to our children is they go through education, which is an industrial model of education. It's a crappy form of education. It may be not the school your son goes to, but what happens is that as parents, the way to do that to me is to ask questions in turn that are genuine questions that you have so that she or he then actually um, is, you know, uh, feels that, that is a milieu that is not only safe, but actually the one you're interested in is too, you know. And when you go to school, what happens when you get asked questions? That you, there's answers, and the answers can be right or wrong. And so that creates fear and threat. And that face, oh, shit, I'm not going to raise my hand, you know. I mean, or I'm going to raise it because I do know, but then that's not really about curiosity, you know. Um and so that it gets squelched, you know, mm-hmm. because the teacher actually, it depends. No, there's some brilliant, amazing teachers out there. So I'm not yeah. sort of painting with those big black brush. But I mean, in, I, I can just talk personally in the schools that so, so-called educated me, you know, it was to me terror. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, a lot and, of terror. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And um and then you either strive to be the best and get A's and get all the answers right, or you go to the back of the classroom and you know read something else and hope nobody's watching. And so I think that the way with your son is to is to be just as curious as he is. Mm. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Okay, I want I definitely want to continue continue on the curiosity front, but for sure move into your work because I mean essentially that's why I originally had reached out after as you know, hearing you on a few other podcasts, but as you can probably tell, quite passionate about questions over here. Uh, and that's that's the big part of the show and in the last f- these five years or so of the work that I've been involved with quite intensely. And I would love to get to the point where we can leave some li- the listeners with prompts and, and a different way of thinking about the environment we're in right now and, and the climate situation. So, you know, before we get there, I'd love for you to set the stage because I know you have a bit of a different perspective, I think, on how to think about how we can better our, our climate and our world. And I'll, I'll start with one quote that I, I, just, I found from you, and it's, I love this one, and, you know, date, uh, nature doesn't make mistakes. Uh, how true is that, right? We forget that all the time. But what did you mean by that? Um, the... 
basis of that question is the fact that our dialogue or the statements or the <clears throat> imperatives that are thrown at us about climate and global warming are othering statements. That is to say, they're, they're making it other and separate, distinct, and also they're false. I mean, they're completely not true. Yeah. And yet that is the, that's what most people have heard. That's what they read. That's what they, and that's how they understand um, climate, the atmosphere, global warming, and the impacts uh, thereof. And so the, the verbs that are being used are usually male verbs of fighting, uh, of war, uh, yeah. fighting, tackling, combating. Um, or there are words like mitigation, which most people don't know what it means. Uh, and because it means reducing the pain of something, you know, like you want to mitigate. Well, yeah. why would we want to reduce the pain of something? You know, that's obviously going in the wrong direction, you know. And so, or you get the Bill Gates thing, you know, about how to fix, quote, quote, it, fix it, you know, how to fix it. And there's no it there. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah that's a good point, right? <laughs> right. I mean, and then, then the idea that climate change is the problem, and climate changes every nanosecond, and supposed to, and always will, and we wouldn't have hummingbirds and you know fresh peaches and glaciers and rivers and water and fish and forests and I can go on that list forever. You know the ten million species um, that uh, cohabit the planet with us and so forth. If it wasn't for climate change, <laughs> so sure. make that like thank you climate, you know whatever, <laughs> and 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 climate in a sense, is a word, is an expression of the relationship between the biosphere and the atmosphere, right? Yeah. And even those two words are simply a demarcation that doesn't really exist between the, you know, the mass, the solidity, you know, molecular solidity of the biosphere and the interrelationship it has when it turns gaseous or absorbs the gases from the air. But actually, you, where do you draw the line? I'm looking at a tree outside, you know, and I, I can't see the difference between the atmosphere and the tree, <laughs> mm -hmm. except the atmosphere is largely invisible <laughs> here, anyway, at least this morning. And yeah. so... All that about nature never makes a mistake because it, in that language we're, we're assuming that something is amiss and wrong. Well, what is going on is that uh, the emission of greenhouse gases, primarily carbon dioxide, have basically more or less double glazed the planet or on the way to double glazing it. That is to, we retain more heat. We know if our windows are double glazed, that is we have two layers, you know, with the gas in between that our houses stay warmer. This is like, duh. Mm, and yeah. well, the planet's the same and greenhouse gases work by, or are warming gases, that is to say, because they vibrate in such a way with infrared heat okay, that then re-radiates some of it back to Earth. And so we have a warming planet. So what does warming do in the atmosphere? It changes the fluid dynamics of the oceans and the jet stream. So and sure. fluid dynamics is probably one of the most complicated sciences there are, like how do fluids move and all that sort of stuff. And so what's happened over the 20, 30 years, you know, from, well, before, but, you know, when we got very serious about modeling and then the intergovernmental panel on climate change, which is, okay, it's warming, we know that, what's going to happen? And then those predictions started to come out with models that were very approximate. And what happened, because they were real-time models, they were uh, revised every year because they would model the next year. And if they all got that wrong, let's change the model, change the model, change the model. And so now they're very accurate and they converged all these models and so forth. So we, as time has gone on, we've had a better idea of what is going to happen in a warming planet. And it turns out the predictions that were made uh, were accurate in, in their entirety, but 
the impacts of warming are happening more quickly than was predicted. It's, a surprise, it's yeah. surprising scientists, you know. And um, so we go back to nature, nature never makes a mistake is because it can't. It's not willful. Yeah. It's life. And this is a really important distinction. You know, life creates the conditions for life, you know, in this miraculous, stunningly complex way that, uh, you know, I could say you could be 10 lifetimes outside and you even begin to understand what's happening, you know. And so it's, it, it, if nature never makes, a, never makes a mistake, then we have to understand, well, we're the ones who are um, mistaken in the sense in our activity if, if we don't want climatic disruption in other words, if we want a more stable yeah. climate, then, you know, na nature is basically t giving us feedback. In other words, the earth is homeschooling us and saying, you know, um, you didn't do very well in this paper. <laughs> so, <laughs> you see, failed. <laughs> you failed. No, but just like it's, it's giving us feedback. And feedback is what every system has. Every system mm -hmm. has feedback. Your body, obviously. And yeah. if you ignore feedback, then you perish. And so yeah. civilization is at that, you know, crossroads right now, which is, hey, yeah. what do you think? The Northern Hemisphere is on fire and we can't put the fires out. What's that telling you? <laughs> it's like telling you that the winds are greater because the temperature, you know, the, is, is higher and lower. And so that's what creates wind. And it's really dry. We've desiccated yeah. the earth, you know, with warmth. And so somebody set a fire to it and we can't put the fires out. Yeah. It's on, I mean, just even with the fires. So I'm on the East Coast in, in Canada, just outside of Toronto. And I, I, can't, I can't ever remember a time where I smelt forest fires out here. And we did. And there was just fires burning, burning in northern Ontario. Uh, it's, wow. It's just, it's in, in, the, in the haze over. I mean, we mm. just don't have that here. You know, right. And then there's, there's, a, there's so many examples of, 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 of that. Um, I would love to get because I've heard you talk about this before, but there's, it's, it kind of links to your examples with the education system and, and the fact that, you know, you go through that system essentially fearful. Uh, there is a link, I think, with everything happening with the climate. It's, all, it's typically been under the, the narrative of fear, right? Versus uh, how you're, you're really speaking about it around regeneration, and what we can do, you know, and, um, and then I can't wait to get into some of the tactics because it's, I hope everyone listening jumps into the rabbit hole of landing on regeneration.org because there's, it's impossible for you not to make a difference landing there. So let's, let's just jump in. Okay. Um, which question are we going to go to first? Let's, yeah. Let's, let's start with just, you, you know, the shifting of the narrative just to, yeah. to help people you know, sure. maybe come at it at a different angle. Well, I mean, the original narrative 50 years, 50 plus years ago, when the uh, global warming came into the public sphere, um, it was about future existential threat. That's what, there was no problem at that time, at yeah. least no discernible problem. And what science was saying is, in the future, there is going to be a problem and it's going to be a threat to our livelihoods, to food, to water, to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, impacts, hurricanes, cyclonic disturbances, you know. And so they knew what the threats were. And so we all took it in like, okay, you know, because the brain doesn't really respond to future existential threat. But behind the th a threat is fear. I mean, it's not a threat if it doesn't have some component of fear attached to it. And those narratives then got picked up by activist organizations. I was one of them, youth, you know, that like, and then what happened is we blame, shamed, and created guilt. In other words, mm -hmm. this is the cause. You shouldn't do that. You know, you should know better. This is, you know, corrupt, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't that both weren't correct, the activists and the scientists, they were entirely correct. But then as the narrative, you know, grew and the impacts of global warming became more and more evident, um, then you had this cocktail, you know, of basically threat, fear, shame, blame, guilt, you know, all stir well, you know, and 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 that is a that 
you you guarantee to numb people on that one. That is, they don't want to drink it, and um, they have lives to lead, and they have other problems, you know, and that are more pressing. And so that is why today we have between 98 and 99% of all human beings on the planet are disengaged from doing anything and, and, and maybe 40, 50% of them actually are sympathetic and understand it or, you know, greatly or s- well enough anyway to, to, to be aware and know they're aware of it, you know, and aware that it's a significant or serious uh, problem, but still don't do anything. And so that, that's the thing that really, what regeneration is trying to say, okay, not blame those people, you know, and say, oh, why didn't you figure it out and do something and all that sort of stuff? But that's just the whole shame, blame, and guilt thing all over again. It's just like, I wonder what we did in communicating to each other that produced that result. And the uh, underlying um, uh, narrative of regeneration is that um, we have been looking at this as something that's happening to us. That is, we're the object, you know, we're the victim, you know, we got the short end of the stick, this isn't fair, or they are doing it, I'm not they, you know, I just, and um, and that's understandable, except the way to live our lives is to say that life, this, whatever's happening is happening for us. Everything is feedback. Everything's a teaching. Everything is an offering. And what we're saying is that the science is impeccable. It's, we don't question the science. We think the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that endeavor from the up to the sixth assessment that released four weeks ago is probably the single most uh, um, magnificent uh, collaborative science endeavors in human history. Um, mm. So it's not this, so the science is whoa. But the emotion that goes around with that uh, 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 with the predictions and current events is something that can paralyze us. And rather than have emotions around it, we need to have acceptance, which is, I got it. Wow, amazing science. No, doesn't look good. Okay. But it's to just say, to, to accept it, you know, and acknowledge it and respect it even and so forth. And now, okay, what are we going to do? Let's go. Let's, yeah. Because, you know, it's it's either game over or it's game on. It's one or the other. It really depends on how you see that. And to me, it's game on, which is like, whoa, you know. And so it is a offering, a gift. You know, I know that sounds callous when you think of what's happening to people in terms of drought and migration and privation and so forth. I don't mean it that way at all. That has happening because we have put off um, dealing with this for decades and decades and so forth. So what we're talking about, the offering and the gift of this is to address human suffering, not to... Uh, uh, just say hide in our hole, and and so regeneration. The word itself is innately who we really are. I mean, we are regenerative organisms. Our cells do it every nanosecond, or we would be having this conversation. And so, but everything you see outside, every everything you see in nature is regenerative. This is the default mode of life itself. And life creates the conditions for life. And so we are life. And so I'm trying to suggest that the narrative shouldn't be about fighting, tackling, combating. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to mitigate. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, and so what's happening is that we have the book, which is kind of like a neurotransmitter. And the last eight pages is like a wormhole to the website. You don't have to buy the book to go to the website. The website's free, of course. And, and it has the complete list, the world's complete most complete listing of, of solutions uh, yeah. and how to do them. No, this is the most important thing. It's not just a list like, oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't know about that one. It's really uh, literally how to do them on all levels of agency or influence or support or engagement or education or however you want to 
uh, interface and get involved, you know, uh, with that solution or that challenge. And there's challenges too, like the you mm-hmm. know cutting the boreal forest, plastics, you know, the clothing industry, and so forth. So I mean, there's challenges and there's solutions, and um, and. And you know, Mark, I mean, I've with Drawdown, and I've, I get this question still, you know, what should I do? People will raise their hands and say, what should I do, you know? And I, it's a good question, you know, and yeah. that's not a question I can answer, you know, because I don't know who you are. <laughs> it's like, I have no idea what you should do. And there's no should here. It's If, if it was a should, you're, you're operating out of, you know, guilt or, you know, obligation or something like that. And what that listing does, you know, it's the biggest listing in the world and it's never existed before, the how-to part. And I want to say to everyone, it's not complete yet. I mean, the book came out and we're going as fast as we can to make it complete. So give us, it's going to, won't be complete probably till the end of the year. But the fact is that when you look at these, this complete listing of it, the thing you want to look for is what lights you up, what turns you on, what makes you curious, what is like, I've always wanted to know more about this or do more, or, uh, I, you know, it, Every person's different, you know, and so forth. And the, the variety is so extraordinary, you know, of things that are, are compellingly and truly, truly uh, impact uh, global warming. And it's a much broader list than people are accustomed to, you know, I mean, and uh, it, it may be seen as tangential, but it's not, you know, and that's what I think. What I try to do, um, I'm probably making my answers too long. I'm sorry. I should learn concision, but the <laughs> but, but the it's all good with me, Paul. <laughs> uh, but you know, if you see a book and it says, you know, basically, uh, it's all connected. You know, like that's some revelatory systems thinking, you know, uh, statement. Like, oh wow, it's all connected, and it's such a dreary cliche that's true. I mean, it is true, right? It's like, uh, thank you for sharing, you know. And what I, what I tried to do in writing in, in the book and editing the book is to basically within these different solutions and challenges, you know, and also about cultures, indigenous cultures, and indigeneity and so forth, is to make connections that people probably or might not have known or understood or have made that connection and just to do it again and again and again and and so that at some point maybe at the end of the book or somewhere in the middle they start to begin to realize wow it is it's all connected this and this and this and so they've changed their mind but it's not my job to change somebody else's mind you know, um, my job is to change my mind. And that's hard enough. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what we want to do as people is create the conditions for people to open and change their mind, to create the conditions for self-organization around climate, you know, as opposed to, you know, these didactic, you know, uh, declarative statements about what you should and shouldn't do, and if you don't do this soon, you know we're screwed. I mean, I mean, it it, it doesn't work, first of yeah. all, and it hasn't worked, and uh, and yet that still is the rhetoric you hear, and that's we're trying to change the languaging and the relationships so that people from very different maybe belief systems you know they have a religious belief or political belief or fine but can see something there that's relevant and germane to them yeah all right friends i've got something for you that i've personally seen and continue to see the benefits from in my sleep and mood and i have some awesome black friday deals starting right now running all month long if you're feeling stressed out or haven't been sleeping well lately you're definitely not alone. You might not be able to change all the chaos out there, but along with your mental fitness practices, you can also start supplementing with one key nutrient to help improve your sleep quality, as well as over 600 other biochemical reactions in your body. I've been using this product for months now, and it's the real deal. Magnesium Breakthrough is one of the only products I've found that has all the magnesiums that I'd want in one convenient bottle. 
That's seven forms of magnesium to help with stress and better sleep. For the entire month of November, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough by Optimizers are having a Black Friday Cyber Monday blowout sale on their best-selling magnesium. All month, they are offering 10% off using my unique code plus over $200 in free gifts with select purchases. Use the code BEHINDTHEHUMAN10 over at magbreakthrough.com forward slash behind the human. Don't worry, this code and the link are both in the show notes. I'm serious, this stuff works. Message me after you try because I'd love to hear about your results. Now back to the show. Well, in that, so uh, just a few reflections on what you said. I mean, I feel like the whole conversation is coming full circle around curiosity because you know, you, you spark someone's curiosity with, with a topic that if they land in the book or the website say, Oh, okay, this is interesting. Right. In like the 15 minutes city, what is that? Or banking, what how's banking and finance have anything to do with this? Right. Um, and then, and then you educate, you know, I, I know when I was in there, Holy smokes, like I had no idea. Right. And you start getting those, those, those moments so that then, you know, ideally, I think just by default, then we start asking ourselves some question. Okay, so you know, what's like, what's next type thing, or what, or what, what can I do to the question that you always get from people? And I mean, there's a massive solution, or at least starting points for people below. And I really because the question I often get on the mental fitness side is, what practices should I do? You know, and I don't know. I mean, there's a million different things you can do. Some people like to meditate, other people don't. I like to journal and, and answer questions, but other you have to, to your point, is identify the things that that you're passionate about or, or light you up, right? And uh, I always talk about that. Like, think about your your happiness list. Like, what are the things and activities and people that, without a shadow of a doubt, put a smile on your face? Make sure some of that stuff is in your day, so your mind is continually in that you know, that, that motivator creation state, which reminds me a lot of your, what is it called? Your punch list. Mm, punch yeah. list? Yeah. Yeah. The punch list. Yeah. So why don't you want to just describe what that list is? Well, it's, uh, it, I just came up with it because in my misspent youth, I was a, a builder <laughs> for a while. I used to build things, <laughs> houses and stuff. And we always had a punch list, you know, I mean, we're, we're trying to accomplish something. And so we had a punch list, you know, I mean, especially when you got closer to the end, you know, you had to make sure you got it. It was complete, you know, and uh, you can sign off. That was the word you want to sign off. And okay. uh, I realized that, you know, that I wanted to have people's punch list, of, which is what they're committed to doing and mm-hmm. committed with respect to agency as well, you know, there was not like just what I can do, what you can do is like, if you're just an individual, I don't believe in that. I believe in agency. And, uh, um, and so to, this is what I'm going to do in a month or a year or five years, my five-year plan, whatever. Um, and something happens when you write it down and you commit, you make yeah. a commitment. It's something changes, you know. And I wanted to have it out there so people could see the diversity rather than the top 10 solutions. No such thing as the top 10 solutions. That's BS. And I mean, that's what Drawdown has in metrics, but that's not the top 10 for any one person or, you know, at all. Yeah. You know, it just so happens where the numbers fall out. And um, and and to also, like, I have a, a friend who, uh, who, uh, who knows someone who, what he does is he goes to uh, refugee camps, uh, like the Rohingya camp in Bangladesh, you know, and he makes murals, uh, like the, the the background for murals, and then brings paint and brushes and teaches kid art. And they're making these murals, you know. They're not even going to any type of school at all in these camps. There's no school, and uh, they're just like urchins running around, you know, during the day. And so that's regeneration. <laughs> I just want to well, this regeneration has huge arms, you know, in terms of what it means and what the possibilities are, you know. And so I think when people can imagine that and see it in that way, it's engaging. It brings us in. It makes us excited about what we want to do as opposed to, like I say, 
obligated, you know. I mean, I was brought up Catholic. I was an altar boy, you know. I think it was guilt every other day, you know. Like, uh, it wasn't enough, and I was always worried about original sin. Uh, sin. Yeah, was yeah. It a mortal sin, a venal sin, and, well, it was just original sin. Maybe I'm okay on this one. Venal, yeah, but, I mean, all this stuff, you know, about no, not, don't, you know. Of course, understandable, you know, these are societal mores, but still, we have to flip that narrative to one which is about joy, about the Wendell Berry quote, be joyous, though you have considered all the facts. Okay, I got it, you know. Now, mm-hmm. how am I going to live the rest of my life? That's really the question of regeneration. Is like, really, how do you want to how do you want to spend the rest of your life, whether you're twenty or eighty, uh, or everything in between? It doesn't make any difference, you know. That's a decision we make every day, and that's what the punch list is about. Is just for you, but we publish them anonymously, or I mean, people, you know, we don't we're not trying to just so, but so we can share, you know, and we can read it. And we just started, of course, the website just opened up seven days ago or eight days ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I was on there and I, uh, one of the past guests uh, of this show, I'm assuming it was him or his team, but uh, Chip Conley, there was a post from the Modern Elder Academy. So yeah, it was, it was nice to see. I mean, if, if, so immediately I was, I was intrigued and taking a look and then I kept going and kept going and then it gets you thinking. So it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm encouraged and left motivated knowing that, you know, there, there's someone like yourself and the team. And there's, I, I imagine there's, there's so many, so many others that are, that are out there, you know, investing your energy every day to, to shape this narrative or change it, I should say, right. And get, you know, really help us move forward and get to a new place. Because your point, I mean, if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, I mean, we're going to get the same results. Uh, it's not uh, It's not rocket science. So I'm curious, Paul, just jumping into, you've been in this for quite some time. How do you, like what kind of mental fitness or practices or self-talk or whatever whatever you want to call it, do you have to keep your mind motivated so you're not saying something like, why the hell don't people get it? <laughs> I mean, I feel like there, there must be an element of frustration on this path. Uh, that's interesting. I think, as I've said, I, I read the science in the morning, you know, the RSS feeds and all the all the news, you know, <laughs> and it's a lot to take in, actually. Um, and I, I sure don't do it before I go to bed. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and so, <Yeah. laughs> and so, it's kind of a mix, you know, because in the morning, you know, is really uh, a time to practice, a time to meditate, a time to, if you're journaling, a time to journal, a time to uh, really express gratitude, you know, and to, you're awake, you're alive. It's, mm-hmm. it's that's an amazing thing, you know, and because um, that's not always going to be true, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I'm grateful to be alive this day, you know? And um, I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for, you know, what I do. And I'm so fortunate to be able to do what I do and all that sort of stuff. And um, to remind oneself, you know, but then what happens, I, I plunge into the world as it is expressing itself and manifesting on the science, on the sociological, political side, you know, and trying to grok it, you know, like, well, what's going on here? What's going on? And to try to see it in a, in a way that isn't just react, not reactive, you know, like that's wrong. That's, you know, good. That's, yeah. you know, but just to take it in, take it in, take it in. And um, I'm always trying to, understand that's what i'm trying to do like hmm as opposed to i know this is you know because it changes every day you know changes every minute but um and so i think that's what keeps my mind sort of maybe agile is not the right word but certainly engaged um stimulated stimulated what are the practices paul are you are you writing are you i mean obviously you've written 
several books, but I mean, in terms of when you're not writing a book, are you, are you writing? Are you meditating? What's the, uh, it, it goes into cycles. I have to be really honest, you know, yeah, I that's don't, fine. I don't have a morning practice right now because it's, it's, it's almost sunrise to sunset. Yeah. I have things to do around the book. It's, it's the, you know, the good news is published, you know, then the other part of that is now, now there's response when you're writing the book, it's, you could stop at five o'clock or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You could do the journal, you can do whatever. And then you say, okay, today I'm writing, but then I can put, you know, everything down and go to the garden, go to my wife, go to my friends, whatever. And, and once the book was submitted, and then at a certain point, very soon thereafter, because we did the camera ready copy. It wasn't the publisher. It was done. It was signed, sealed, and delivered. And so there was a very short time between when we submitted the manuscript uh, uh, and when it actually got published. And so during that time, it became this like pre-publicity and organization and staff and mm -hmm. staff changed because we didn't need the, the researching for the book was different than the researching for the website. And um, and then the book, you know, got very, very busy before the book came out. And then the book's got out now. It's even busier. And so um, it's just shredded my daily practice because I feel this obligation to be responsive, you know, to requests yeah. and inquiries and interviews because it's only a short, I mean, it, it goes up for a long time. It's got a long tail, but but the initial response, initial queries, you know, is something you're almost obligated to do if you sign a contract with the publisher, and this is Penguin, you know, to to be there, you know, as much as possible. And with all the time zones, oh, so you know, I think one day I had uh, last Friday, yeah, it was a week ago. I mean, I started at six a.m. And at 4 p.m., I had done 15 interviews and hadn't eaten anything. It was back-to-back. Yeah. -back. I mean, literally back-to-back. Yeah. -back. There was no, like, oh, let's go to the bathroom. It's like, <laughs> there's two 15-minute yeah. breaks. And so what's happening right now is that I'm sort of seeing in my calendar, like, oh, it's starting to open up, and there's blank spaces, and this and that. Okay. And, and what's interesting, really, Mark, is that I'm thinking about the next book. I, I, yeah, of course. I, I want to go to. I want to go back to writing, you know, because yeah, that's where I feel like you know, I, I, it's not like I want to lead. I don't want to lead anything. I don't want to be ahead of anything. I've hired an ED for the organization, an amazing Asian Canadian woman named Samantha Wright. She's just an incredible mm. human being, and, and I'm not interested in being the spokesperson, leader, or head of, or known of. I, it's not. I'm not interested. I love to write, though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think, because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention, where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Well, I'll never forget, Paul. I know you know this, but you've got to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I I exercise. I eat really well. I sleep. Okay, good. You know, I'm not I'm not abusive to self. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, you also. I mean, this isn't your your first rodeo either, and you know that, like you said, there's there are phases or cycles uh, right. in this as well. So there's there's a healthy relationship there. Right. We'll see. I mean, I totally get it. I mean, I'm in I'm in the middle of that that point where I mean, you've you've got a copy of my book that it's not out yet, but I'm starting to transition to these interviews, and it, it feels so different. 
Yeah. You're so right when you say, okay, yeah, you're writing from this time to that time. We're going to do this, do that. And now it's starting to shift and we'll see. We'll see what happens when it's actually out. But um, what a ride, what a journey, right? Yeah, no, it's so, interesting one. I So many baby boomers had writing a book on their bucket list, you know, and I'm going, <laughs> you do <laughs> not know how difficult it is to write a book or you wouldn't yeah. put it on your bucket list. You yeah. know? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> so true. it's like, it's really hard. And, yeah. uh, uh, and I believe that writing actually is transformative because I feel like you're not the same person if if the book is honest, if it is actually yeah. you and not just yeah, you know, um, that there's a part of you that comes out that you didn't even know yourself. And I have the experience of writing, you know, a couple paragraphs, and I'm the kind of writer that keeps going back and reading what I just wrote. You know, you know some people write, 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 and then they look at it the next day. There's different styles of writing. Mm-hmm. But I'm the one who's just iterative, iterative, iterative. And I'll write two paragraphs and I'll, st- you know, then I'll read it. I'll, I'll read it and go, I never thought those thoughts. I'm reading it, but I never thought yeah. it. And yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, huh, okay, you know, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, I, I, I remember one specific profile. I, I was doing the research on Picasso and I was going through, uh, you know, the, the research and the outline and whatnot. And I, I'll never forget because some of the practices in that profile and others, I was going through it, you know, for the first time or, or coming up with the, the, the link through his story and all this stuff. And it was just a, such a magical experience to come out of writing it, but then also having gone through the reflections and whatnot and never thinking of my life, you know, in that relation as well, you know, leveraging again, his, his, his different periods of art and the colors that were, were there and then linking that up with, okay, well, what color, what color would you place your life in right now? You know, and which ones have you passed through and, and, and all of that. So, so I, I agree. I resonate with the, with the concept of you are different going through a process like that and super grateful for that. So yeah, you're not uh, the Paul, same person. Yeah, you're not, you're yeah, not the same person. No. Yeah. Well, I want to respect your time. Uh, I will definitely have everything linked up in the show notes so people can get a copy of the book. Head to the website uh, again. Uh, this enjoy enjoy the website and and you know do what you can and, and start 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 on a place that resonates with you. I mean, I think that's probably the best thing people can do. But I'd love to if if there's a final thought or a final question you'd love to leave us with a reflection i mean the the mic is yours <laughs> you said do what you can of course you can only do what you can do but actually i think there's a deeper resonance um which is regeneration is bringing the world back to life that's what we're talking about and on all levels yeah. whether it's the inner city or whether uh it's our neighborhood or whether it's forest or whether it's the oceans or whether um, it's a wetlands of whether it's, you know, diversity or pollinators. And I mean, uh, whether it's our children's schools, whether it's our educational system, whether it's our financial system. And the, I mean, all of these things are aspects of degeneration right now. And so yeah. we, I think it's important to understand that we live in a completely degenerative society, not by by default, that is to say, what I mean be degenerative is that all the economic sectors, whether it be service providers or product makers uh, and what we buy and uh, it, from them uh, is basically taking life. You just have to, you don't have to pull the string on the flower bag very far to see that it is without exception taking life and taking life means degeneration. And mm. so we're on a road to degeneration and the difference between now and 1900 or 1950 is we can see the end of the road. I mean, it's yeah. very clear. That's what the news headlines are telling us and in so many other ways. And that, so what's happening, though, is global warming is becoming experiential. It's conceptual for so long, either vicariously or directly. And so really regeneration is about a pivot, which is can what it would look like to stop stealing the future and he, instead of healing it. 
Let's heal Ooh, it. Great question. Can you make economy that way? Yes, you can. Will it be a GDP? Yes. Will it be jobs? Not only will it be jobs, it'll be so much better than the meaningless, horrible work that so many people undertake every single day of their lives and so forth that strips them of dignity, strips some of pride strips them of a sense of meaning and purpose and so forth so bringing the world back to life regenerating the world which is bringing it back to life brings us back to life and the, hmm. the, 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 the primary cause of depression is lack of purpose yeah. you don't feel you have a purpose and you feel like you have no meaning for the rest of the world or society or your tribe or culture or neighborhood or city or uh, cohorts. And that is what drives people to strange behaviors and beliefs and addiction and cutting and it goes on yeah. and on. And so regeneration offers something uh, that is gives people a sense of meaning and purpose and dignity. And, and I, when I think of that, I think of the 4.3 billion people in the world who we classify as poor. They are not poor people. They are people living in impoverished conditions. Sure. And um, so the beauty about regenerative solutions, the ones you, you know, referred to on the website, is that we don't need to understand global warming. We don't need to have... Uh, some sense of the science to understand that every single one of these solutions uh, has cascading benefits for all of humanity, and especially, interestingly, those who do not have enough, who do not have enough, you know, food security or food at all, you know, or income or warmth or clo clothing or education or access to healthcare, etc. So when you go into the world of regeneration, you're going into a world of rejuvenation, of restoration, and it's, it's self and other. It's the same at the same time, it's changing who you are as you change the conditions of the world from degeneration to regeneration. Beautiful. Well said, and a heartfelt thank you to you, the team, and again, all the effort, energy, the hours spent you know, putting, uh, putting into this, obviously, I'd say the most important thing we should be looking at and thinking about. And I love, I just, I love the, the, the idea of, of regenerating us or the regeneration of us, right? It just, that, if, if, that's probably the, the show title once we get there. But thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I love being with you and let's do it again sometime. 